White Picket Beds, a podcast about the fragile and now Steam Potts, a white woman. I'm Dewey Cole, a white That's my son, Benjamin. He was six years old when I recorded that. And yes, that's him reciting the tagline from the first season of this podcast, White Picket Fence, a podcast about the fractured and often frustrating politics of white women. We created season one during the height of the pandemic. I was still working full time, but from the kitchen table or on louder, more chaotic days in a chair in the corner of my bedroom. Benjamin was still in school, but with a Zoom screen as a classroom, and me as some sort of frazzled teacher's aide. I remember the first time I realized he'd memorized the entire opening of the show. On one level, it was funny and pretty cute. But like many things over the past year, it also produced a wave of guilt. His ability to recite those lines from memory reflected the number of hours he had heard me listening to episodes during dinner hour editing sessions. Like many working parents, the pandemic blurred any boundaries that had ever existed between work and family time. And because my days were considerably less productive, work often spilled into the evening hours when I felt I should have been reading books, playing games, or being in any way an engaged parent. That night, when Benjamin launched into the white picket fence opening, I grabbed my phone, completely caught in the moment. But as the months went on, I've returned to that recording. I think it says something deeper about this incredibly strange time and the immense pressures that families, and especially mothers, have been living under. I think it helps illustrate a larger story about our nation's attitudes about mothers, caregiving, and work, especially single moms like myself. When the pandemic hit, I'd been solo parenting for years, my son's entire life. And although it always had its challenging moments and was accompanied by a constant sense of precarity, I was beginning to feel that finally things were falling into place. Benjamin was in school. I had a great dependable babysitter who I could rely on for after-school care and one regular weeknight when I could work late, catch a yoga class, or meet up with friends. My parents would visit from Minneapolis every few months and pitch in when I needed to travel or just needed some company. My son's father would hang out with him on the weekend, giving me a little time for myself. You might have noticed that my childcare web, even at its most elaborate, didn't include any sort of government safety nets. That's because there aren't many. There is no system when it comes to the care of our children in the U.S. And I felt that acutely when the pandemic hit and my entire caregiving web vanished. While I kept working full-time and schools stayed closed, I cycled through a series of different childcare arrangements. At first, childcare consisted of daily FaceTime sessions with grandparents and weekly virtual music classes with my son's former sitter. He'd chat and sing songs on his iPad while I was holed up in the other room, frantically trying to cram a day's work into a tiny window. Then I hired a neighbor, a furloughed preschool teacher, She was already watching my friend's kids, but graciously allowed my son to join their pod for a few hours each day. As quarantine restrictions eased up, it was safe enough for my babysitter to return. I'd pick her up and drop her off so she didn't have to take public transportation. I was spending two hours a day in the car. When school began virtually last fall, I transitioned to a full-time provider, my son's former preschool teacher, 
who lovingly welcomed him into her home, even though she was also busy caring for her own two children. In short, I eked by, though it required paying more for childcare than my mortgage, and still feeling like I wasn't paying enough. And then, about a month after our first season of White Picket Fence wrapped up, I got some bad news. My sitter's schedule had changed. She would no longer be able to watch Benjamin. I understood, of course. She was juggling just as much, if not more, than me. But I also remember feeling like an exhausted magician. For nearly a year, I had pulled rabbit after rabbit out of my hat. And then one day I reached in, and there were no more rabbits. I remember collapsing onto my bed, sobbing. My son heard me and came running into the room, frightened and upset. Mommy, are you going to cry every day? He asked me. That moment, that feeling of being totally alone and out of options, I know it's a feeling a lot of mothers have felt, even before the pandemic. I've dedicated much of my career to studying families. I got my PhD in family social science, which is a fancy way of saying that I've thought a lot about how to strengthen and support families. I know that I've had it easier than a lot of people, especially other single moms. I'm white, I make enough money to comfortably raise my kid, and when there's not a literal pandemic, I have other people in my life to help ease the burden. But it's still incredibly hard, and a lot of days, it still feels impossible. And I really wanted to know, why does it have to be this way? So on this season of White Picket Fence, we're talking about the caregiving crisis, about how so many of the ideologies that we interrogated in season one, about race, gender, the economy, and yes, even white women, have gotten us to a point where so many of us have been cracking. We'll explore how that nostalgic idealization of the traditional self-reliant nuclear family in the white picket fence neighborhood has hurt all of us. And we'll explain why it doesn't have to be this way. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Not very now, I said, but helping to build a country, how can we asbestos hold? Very good. White picket fence.